Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. It's Black History Month and I'm a black man. I didn't say that because sometimes in a diverse church and our effort is to obviously represent all ethnic groups. And yet, you know, I do have gratefulness to God um, for the things that he's allowed us to accomplish and contribute to throughout history. And that in this month, some of the good things can be celebrated and not just think about the challenges and the bad things. And I'm just grateful uh, that while no one's got the level of progress they want, there has been progress. And I just thank God for what has happened and I'm grateful and I'm celebrating that this February. Because if you, because if you live on the bad news, the bad news is so bad, you'll take up arms. But when you live on the good news, you'll just keep on trying to repeat the things that brought you good things and then thank God for, for, for more. So thank you um, to all the other ethnicities in our church that give us a moment to just be acknowledged and to be uh, celebrated. I just thank you um, that we live in a church where you actually want to honor something like Black History Month. Thank you guys uh, so much. Uh, I can't believe that some information recently was withheld from me. Um, there was someone that I knew, I know, and I love them, and they were going to be engaged to be married, and everybody knew but me. And I was wondering why they didn't tell me before it happened. And sometimes when you are left out of the good news, the good news is just not as good as it could have been. <laughs> tell me what's going on. You know, throughout history, throughout history, sometimes we've been plagued with the bad news. And the, bad, and, and the bad news leads the way. But everybody is hungry uh, for something good. And I believe in today's message, what we're going to see is our opportunity to embrace something good so that we can actually, actually tell that message to other people. In Luke 14, in Luke chapter 14, verse 12, we're going to go ahead on a little bit of a journey and see what Jesus was doing with a bunch of people. We're going to start in the 12th verse through the 15th verse. When you have it, say amen. Ready? Read.
Jesus is having to spend time with a group of people who are having a great celebration. He's at a banquet, everybody's eating, everybody's drinking, and he's noticing that this crowd has a level of exclusivity with one another that is unique. They're all of the same family, they're all of the same background, they're all of the same educational and economic status, and they're having a celebration, and it is very inward while it is not bad. Jesus says, when you have banquets like this, he gets up and he wants to give an illustration. He said, don't, don't, don't just invite all of the people who are just like you. What he's really saying in this text, I don't want you always and only inviting everybody that's just like you. You need to have your family there. You need to have your friends there. It's a celebration, but the good news of this occasion is broader than the group that you're meeting with now. What begins to happen uh, when we think about our friend groups and we think about our own personal socioeconomic status, it is easy to find yourself just lumped with everybody that's just like you, talks like you, acts like you, walks like you, and to find your comfort in that. And you are uncomfortable when it goes outside of that realm to the degree that when people come into your space who are not just like you, they're invisible to you. You don't see them. I don't mean to be indelicate with what I'm saying, but you have to ask yourself questions like, do I know the barista's name? Do I know my long care person's name? Do I know anyone outside of my normal group in an intimate and a real way? Jesus is noticing that the religious leaders have become so exclusive so myopic that they've got a great feast and a great celebration which should be inclusive of more people and they stuck with just what's familiar. Does that ring any bells to you? When you take the good that you have and you just contain it with you. When you take the blessings you have and you just contain it with your four and no more. This is not something that Jesus is all about. When Jesus throws a party, when he talks about heaven, he says stuff like every tribe, every tongue, every nation, they're going to be there. When he talks about what he's done for the world, he laid down his life to redeem the world. That's everybody. And that's, and that's amazing. So Jesus has these folks that are in a room and it's not wrong to have a party, but he thinks they're thinking wrong. And he starts to say, you know what your party really should be like? When you're having a party, don't just invite the people you're familiar with. I want them to come, but I also want the poor. I also want the lame. I also want the cripple. I also want the blind. You should be having them in, the, in your party. The reality was they were not in the party. They were not in the celebration. They were not at the table. They were not considered. And the people throwing the party were oblivious to the fact that the people who could be impacted by the message the most were not there. Jesus noticed that and it made him uncomfortable that he had to tell this story. Do you notice who is and is not around you? What is your group made up of? Do you and I inconvenience ourselves and invite more people in when's the last time we had a meaningful conversation a meaningful relation when is the last time you had a meal 
outside of your group. Jesus is so fit to say this because Jesus was always eating outside of his group. Even though he was working class, he dealt with the low class. He, he dealt with the upper class. He dealt with the publicans. He dealt with the sinners. He was hanging out with people that the people he was having a meal with would never hang out with. His life modeled what he wanted out of them. What does my life model? You should be asking, what does your life model? Who is around you? Who do you share with? Who's included? And some old boy grabs a, a glass at the, at the end of this, and he raises a toast, and he says, praise God for everybody who's going to get into the kingdom. In other words, he's missing Jesus' message. He believes that he has it right, even though the poor aren't there, even though the cripple aren't there, even though the lame aren't there, and even though Jesus made a connection with eternal life in his kingdom by having everybody there, he's raising a glass saying, I'm going to party here and be partying in heaven even without them. They are invisible. They're not worthy of the news. They didn't get the information and now Jesus is having to tell them. Because doing the right work will produce the right results. The room wasn't right. Jesus was uncomfortable. Are you brave enough? Am I brave enough to actually know when the room isn't quite what it should be and make an adjustment? Am I brave enough to say, where are the hurting? I can tell you, I thank God for some of the churches uh, in our city um, who do this far better than, than we do. It's not to make us feel bad, but we at least can celebrate those who are doing good. Um, I think about Candy um, Christmas and Ken Christmas uh, and who, how they have done such a good job with the bridge, bridge ministry. I think about uh, Brentwood Baptist. Um, who have uh, developed a whole room um, for people who are deaf um, to be able to come to church. So the whole floor in the room kind of vibrates and they're able to uh, in, enjoy worship. This is not impossible, but it's something that we've got our brain uh, to go to and to comprehend. Let's look at how Jesus has to take it further. Verse 16, ready, read. Jesus now makes a distinction. He said, the first group that I was talking to, the Pharisees, the legalists, the, the religious class, those who come and, 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 and dress the part, but they are not the part. I tried to give you the message. I tried to give you the information. I tried to make you a participant. I tried to show uh, you what you should do. You're missing my message. And now I'm telling you what servants really do. 
Servants don't think about what they want. They think about what their master wants. Servants don't think about uh, what their needs are. They think about what the instructions of the master are. These people that are servants are bond servants. They have enslaved themselves. They have made a choice to serve the mission of the master over their own individual mission. Let me tell you, even if you're a slave or you're a servant, you got things that you want out of life too. But you got to ask yourself the question is what God wants out of your life bigger than what you want for your life. And when he went to those servants, he told them to take an in, the, the information to everybody. He said, take it to many. He's telling them that this needs to go to the rich. This needs to go to the poor. This needs to go to the whole. This needs to go to the broken. This needs to go to the black. This needs to go to the white. This needs to go to the upper class. This needs to go to the lower class. This invitation needs to be broad and they need to know that you can come and there is room in my house and at my table for you in a diverse church. We are simply embracing God's heart for every nation. In, in a diverse church, it's, it's not us giving the invitation that someone is coming to our home. It's us working on Christ's behalf, saying Christ has done some work of laying, living holy, becoming a man, and still fully being God, laying his life down to make a new and a living way and invite you into it. It is the greatest news ever. It's the greatest news ever. Can you imagine how angry Someone would be, well, I've, I've had this experience. Minister of the gospel, somebody, somebody get born again. And the first thing they ask me is, how long have you known this message? Well, yeah, no. he said, well, how come? And he said, how many other people? This is a real shock. Said, how many other people know this place? I said, oh, billions. I thought I was. He said, and why, does it, why isn't everybody talking about this? Then he began to talk about how broken his life was, how messed up his life was, and maybe if he'd have had this message earlier, he would be different. Good news on a delay. You know, I was thinking about, you know, Black History Month and, and, and one of the, how many have ever gone to a watch night service? Okay, so a watch night service usually takes place on December, excuse me, yeah, December 31st. And it's where you bring in the new year. It, but the watch night service really was something that was developed um, after the Emancipation Proclamation was, was, was signed. And they were waiting on the uh, uh, 13th, uh, not the 13th, the, the, the it to be going to effect. So midnight, they were in church and in homes at midnight. So it went into effect January 1st. 1863 and then they had a big celebration and celebration service because that is the type of information that provides you with a level of freedom that's so dynamic so amazing that you don't want to contain it and they took that and from there they went throughout the south throughout the confederate states telling people from plantation to plantation you're free you're free. Can you imagine that day for a person who was shackled and bound and confused and, 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 and hurting and thought God forgot him? Can you imagine the day when they say, you know, you're free? You know, it is over. Do you think somebody is going to turn down that news, turn down that freedom? 
there are people in this world dead in trespasses, dead in sin, bathed in iniquity, completely possessed and demonized, a slave to their addictions, a slave to their frailties and infirmities, and there is a message of good news that can set the captive free. Servants deliver that message. Isn't it kind of strange that God could deliver his own message, but he uses servants to deliver it. And they say, come. Sending out the right message is the right work. The message that he's already done. So, so let's just go on in verse 18. Read it. trying to get out of something see the RSVP went out you said yes I counted your plate your food I prepared something for you now back in the day we had to prepare that meat right then that day I didn't know exact time I sent my people out to tell you the thing you say you agree with Jewish community the thing, thing you say you agree with religious community the Messiah you say that you're waiting on the, the, the answers you want, the good news that you want, here it is. What do you have to say? Uh, uh, man, I, I would, but you know, uh, what had happened was, uh, it was some land, like I bought it, you know, I've seen it before, I need to go see it again. So, uh, just, just let me out of it, I, 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 I can't come. It's an excuse. Oh man, I just got five yoke of oxen. I just got a little fleet. I got to go ride my car. I got to go drive. Material things taking place of the invisible, immortal, eternal God and the invitation to be with him and to bring others into that good news. See, things always will compete with the work and message of God. Well, you know the last guy, that seemed to be reasonable. He just got married. He need to go home. It's Valentine weekend for him. Every day is Valentine. But even here, the Bible is saying in this most special occasion, when your family is just being formed, it does not compare to you actually responding to me, the king, me, the Messiah, me, the savior. It does not respond, you know, so it's time out. The thing that competes with our faith sometime is our family. I know it's about to hurt you, 
But your family that you're responsible for, your family which God gave you, your family which needs your time does not take precedent over God and whatever he wants from you, whenever he wants it, however he wants it. I know, I know, that just messed your brain up. But you're not the master, it's him. And if you start, if you let your family and your own ideas trump what the master say, you'll be no different than the Pharisees who were hearing his message and ignoring it at the same time. How is it that we're supposed to be doing something and we have an excuse as to why we can't do it? Because you know, I will get in a car and drive, I have done this, drive seven hours to take my child to an event be at the event for two hours, then get in the car and drive another six hours to the next event, just eat in the car, it's inconvenient. Get a four or five hour thing in a hotel where you could just sleep for a minute, get back in the car, go to another event, only to come back, have a day's rest and do it again. Because that's my child. And I'll do anything for my child. But I just won't do anything for God. Who told you that anything? The Bible says if you're going to follow God, he said you got to hate your mother, your sister, your brother, your land, your own life. He, he's not saying to literally hate it. He said when you compare it to me and what I want you to do, you got to choose me. There's no excuses. And you got to say stuff like I have been crucified with Christ. It is not I who live, but it is Christ who lives within me. The life I now live, I live through faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Paul said I die daily. I crucify my flesh. I say like Jesus said, not my will, but yours be will. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. He works in me the will and the do of his good pleasure. I'm not the boss. He's the boss. To come to Jesus means he is Lord. That means he does what he wants with my time. He does what he wants with my treasure. He does what he wants with my talent. He does what he wants with my life. He does what he wants with my family. There is no excuse. Romans 1, this just is for your information, says, uh, but that which may be known about God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that every man is without excuse. God manifests himself to every person in such a personal way that you can have no excuses. So why do I look more like a Pharisee than a servant. Because a Pharisee has nothing. Today will cross the water to make one proselyte, but he's twofold the son of hell. We, we, he said, I just don't want excuses. Failing to respond is the wrong choice. Don't get quiet now. I mean, it's, it is Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, you're going to be yelling at something. Might as well yell for the word. Verse 21, read.
the master of the house was angry. He was upset that people made excuses as to why they couldn't accept the invitation and those also who made excuses they could not extend the invitation and he tells the servants to go out quickly. When you're going to obey Jesus, you cannot delay. You cannot think about it long. You got to be someone who obeys quickly. You can't say, if you think about it for a night, you're not gonna do it. If you say, I got a journal for a while, you're not gonna do it. The Bible says, he that knows to do good and does it not to commit his sin. At the moment that you know you are responsible, which means you are response-able, you need to respond and go and do it quickly. Where did he want him to go quickly? Streets. That's where you get street ministry from. In the streets are the poor. In the streets are the lame. In the streets are the crippled. In the streets are the broken and the one thing they all have in common is they need your help to get where they got to go next there wasn't a lot of amens on that so I'm just gonna stop there for a minute there's no such thing as just pull yourself up by your bootstraps that's not the way life works God made life where you have to depend on him and you have to depend on other human beings and he takes other human beings that are filled with his spirit and he sends and, and, and where you have no strength, God said, don't worry about it. I just sent somebody with strength. Where you have no hope, I just sent somebody that has hope. Where you have lost love for life, I've given you somebody that has love for life. So when you grow, you see yourself to a broken person, they weren't saying no. None of the broken people were saying no to the invitation. You keep inviting people, would you come to my church? Would you come to my church? They ain't came yet. You've been asking. You stop asking them. Go out this week to the streets. Go out in the city. Go downtown on Broadway. Everybody getting drunk, and as they stumbling out a bar, believe God that when they touch you, they'll be sober enough to hear the good news about how Jesus is. Go find somebody that's high. Find somebody that's, that's, that's shuffling around and say, God, want to heal you. You have good news. Don't hold it back from the broken. Don't hold it back from the lonely. Don't hold it back from the abused, the confused, the left out, the downtrodden. They want the message. Their life is so dry. It is so broken. They'll do anything to get what you have. And when you tell them you're inviting them into what they have, they go show up. I drove up. I'm, I'm using acknowledges about myself is not because I'm great. I'm preaching this message to myself because I want to be great. But I drove up, I have practiced it from time to time. I can give you a few illustrations. I pulled up in the hood one day. All I said was, anybody want to get something to eat? And everybody rushed to get in my car. Didn't even know where it was going. Went to get chicken. They said, how much, this one you know you with somebody that's broke. How much chicken can we get? Well, just everybody just order what they want. Sitting down eating chicken, I, I purchased this, this, this audience with some food. They're they, they not trying to go nowhere. They're they not trying to leave. 
So I just tried. I didn't do nothing deep. I didn't do nothing spooky. All I said was, I just want y'all to know the reason I'm here is because Jesus loves you. And he wants to save your life so you don't go to hell. He wants you with him in heaven. I mean, it probably was that simple. Big boy, 6'8", 320, he just started crying. He said, oh, I just remembered it. He said, you talking about me? I said, yeah, you. And then somebody said, what about me? I said, yeah, you. You mean all of us? Yeah. So what we got to do? And pray with them. And they all just gave their life to the Lord. Over the next several days, just getting filled with the Spirit and getting in discipleship. And I would marvel at, I remember telling myself, it couldn't be that easy. Just think about me as a regular person. Don't think about me as a preacher, because I didn't really go do that as a preacher. I just kind of like a regular person, convicted that I don't do enough, and I just said I was just going to do something. So this wasn't like Pastor James going down there to be pastoral. This was like a regular person trying to figure out why I don't want to be a professional uh, Christian. I want to be a real Christian. I want to be that. To this day, one of, one, of, one of them called me yesterday. They want you. Remember, he did the work so that you could do your work. He did the work so you could do your work. He wants his house to be full. It's not me. He wants it to be. Verse 24, for I tell you, none of those men who received the invite will taste my banquet. Say, if you refuse, it's such a terrible thing to refuse this invitation that there's no recovery from it. What do I want you to do? What do I want you to remember? I want you to remember these things. I'm going to list them in case you forget, and I'm going to give you a conclusionary scripture. Doing the right work will produce a right result. Sending out the right message at the right time is the right work. Failing to respond is the wrong choice. Remember, he did the work so you could do your work. Those needing to be excused will always be excluded from the kingdom of God. The scripture says, the final scripture I give you, if I find it. Second Corinthians 5. I can't find it. You, did I give you six? Oh, here you go. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. <sighs> knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. That fear is respect. That fear is uh, one of understanding who Jesus is. We persuade others. He said, go out, compel them to come in. Now, the um, inquisitioners and, and the crusaders, they did that wrong. They tried to force people to serve Jesus by killing them. They're like, go figure that. This is not, this word compel is not that, but it's passionate. He loves you. He wants you. 
There's something amazing that happens when you show up in somebody's life with the good news and the message. I want to do an altar call, but I want to end this message with a very practical moment. When I thought about the Bethel One Conference, this is a practical moment. Because I thought in the first service, I didn't plan to say it in the first service, but I said it and I'm going to say it in this one at the end. You hear a message like this that's designed to tell you to go and preach the gospel, invite people in. And the first thing you might be thinking is, I don't know enough to go share. I don't know enough. I'm not confident enough. I want to obey Jesus, but I don't actually know what it looks like. That's actually why we designed that conference. The focus of that conference is to make sure everybody leaves understanding the gospel, knowing how to defend it, knowing how to communicate it, knowing how to, how to di disciple people, knowing what to do is next. I can't do in 30 minutes here for you what we can do over a day and a half. You need to come. Your life will be changed. I want you to put my QR code on for the... Uh, Again, this message was not designed to promote the conference. It just naturally happened at the last service and I'm gonna do this one because I felt like in the moment, I know everything that we're gonna teach is gonna get you equipped to not sit. And here's the thing, we've been sitting. I'm gonna say it again, I'm sorry. We've been sitting. We've been sitting. It's time to stop sitting. But I know you need to know, you need to get the confidence to know what the work is, what does it look like? How do you do it? How do you do it, become a marketplace minister? And I don't want anybody to think about being a professional minister in the next season. God's doing that, you won't be able to sleep until you surrender. But most of you will probably be marketplace ministers. You'll, you'll, you'll be doing ministry on your jobs and your workplace in your neighborhood. Stand to your feet, ministry team come down. You. Minister team, you can come down. My call is really simple today. You can come and you can come and give your life to the Lord. You can come get delivered from demonic oppression. You can come and get filled with God's spirit. You can come and get. I, I, I felt this when I was preparing this message. I don't know if you if you're single in here and and you know Valentine's week is coming up and. And that's maybe a struggle because you don't have a person during this time. I mean, I, I, I felt a conviction that we wanted to come and we, if you need to come down to the altar and you need to receive some love, some care, some hugs or whatever, we want to make sure that uh, we do that for you as well. Um, so I'm going to just have, we, we're ahead of time. So we're going to take two or three minutes just to, to end and worship. Um, and if you have any of those prayer needs, I'm going to just stand in front. Ministers will be down front. We'll just, we've seen this a couple of times and uh, let people walk down to uh, the front of the room uh, to receive ministry and then I'll dismiss you. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we open our hearts to you during this altar service, you move in the lives of people who need a breakthrough, healing, a deliverance, a salvation, a hug. Whatever it is the love that they need, I pray we would be the people ready to deliver that to them. Bless us as we worship God to see you in Jesus' name. Whatever you need, come down. We'll pray for you.